When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by former Washington receiver Santana Moss as we discuss what Carson Wentz can do for this offense, how he can help Terry McLaurin, what he thinks about the receiver market, and whether or not Washington should do more at the position. Plus, what's it like to cash those big checks and some tax lessons for a young Santana? You can follow Santana on Instagram at 829. That's spell out 8 E I G H T. I think you probably knew how to do that. So E I G H T T O D A N I N E. There you go. You can read my work on ESPN.com. Carson Wentz is expected to have a press conference this week, so I will attend, of course, and have a couple of stories out of that. Plus, do me a favor and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. Go to Empire Media and subscribe. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Hit that subscribe button, folks. It is much appreciated. Before I get to Santana, a couple things based off the tampering period. First of all, free agency officially begins at 4 p.m. Wednesday. Few things have already happened, of course. Well, a lot has already happened, just not here. Let's start with the bad news for Washington. They lost Brandon Sheriff to Jacksonville. The reality, we knew he was gone last year, maybe even the year before. To be honest, much like when they had Kirk Cousins in 2016 on his second tag, there was a long shot that Sheriff was going to resign. So they could have and should have considered trading him at that time. They will be in position to get a third round comp for him or a comp pick for him next offseason. His injury and his cost may have made it tough to move last year, but especially in hindsight, if you know he's going to be gone, I think then it's, it's, it's a pretty strong move to make. Now, clearly they thought they would be better this year and they wanted to have a better record, but he's gone. So there you go. They will consider drafting somebody at, along the line at guard. You can't have enough O-linemen. The depth is always needed. We've seen that. Um, one guy they are bringing back is Tyler Larson as a backup center. I thought he was a fine, did a fine job there. But at guard, they do like Wes Schweitzer and Sadiq Charles to handle that spot if necessary. At this time last year, Charles looked like a future starter. I liked what he did when he played, and I love Schweitzer's toughness. Both play with an attitude and some passion, so I don't think all is lost by any means. Now, they're not nearly, they're not as good as Sheriff. Very few are but I also would not pay a guard that kind of money, to be honest. And I think you can go get one. This is a good draft for it. I would try to add some picks in those middle rounds. They got, they got no comp picks this year, but they're going to get a few next year. That means you have some capital next year that you can either use if you want to save it to move up next year in the draft or take some of those future picks and try and move up in this draft. It's a good draft. For, for there's a, a lot of depth in this draft. So rounds two through four, there's a good sweet spot there to get some a few good players who should be able to help you. 
And of course they've lost one of their, their third round pick in the Wentz deal. So that would be knowing you get those comp picks, you could get maybe three of them. Knowing you're going to get those, then you can take one or two of those pick, one or two of the picks you have next year and try and move up this year. Just a thought. As for defensive lineman, defensive tackle, Tim Settle, I think the error here was not recognizing earlier in the year that he should be getting more reps. That's on defensive line coach Sam Mills, who handles the D-line rotation. I think the organization realized after the season when they're going back and watching the film that, yes, he should have played more. It would have been hard to get him a lot of reps as a fourth tackle. The, the tackles ahead of him were stayed relatively healthy this year, but it would have been smart to get him more than they did. I sometimes wondered what I was missing when I'd watch him play and why he wasn't getting a few more reps. He did make some, he did create some havoc in the backfield. He could have, I think Buffalo made a good signing. He could have provided more help during the season. Of course, I don't know what that would have led to more wins. It certainly would have led to maybe a stronger rotation. And of course that may have increased his price tag in which case he probably would have been gone anyway. What he wants from Buffalo is to, you know, you go there, you have a two-year contract, play two good seasons and then cash in again. He'd be playing with an aggressive defense. I think it's a good fit for him. Um, so I always thought it was going to be hard to keep him. They did stay in contact with him. They did make a last minute pitch to him, but Buffalo was able to go to two years, the second year or so. It's about a four and a half per average. Washington could not match that. And nor should you match that for a backup um, there um, at, for a fourth tackle. But here's the kicker. A year from now, what happens if Washington doesn't re-sign Payne or Matt Ioannidis? Now, I know the desire is to extend Payne, um, but that hasn't happened at this point. Um, Matt Ioannidis is entering the last year of his contract. Payne is going to be expensive. I'm not sure that Ioannidis is going to stick around after next year. Then what? That's why if I'm them, I'd look hard at adding another defensive tackle in the draft. It is a good draft for D linemen. But again, do believe there's a desire to extend. There's certainly a desire to extend pain. See what happens there. Now on to running back J.D. McKissick. I thought he was terrific here. He was one of the signings I was most excited about two years ago, especially when I, when I go back and watch him. My first thought was, what the hell was Detroit thinking not giving this guy more action? I know they, they would have liked to have kept him. I think in an ideal situation, he'd still be here. But there was no real offer. And like ben, my um, colleague and friend, Ben Standig from The Athletic, I'd heard that they had hoped slash expected to have a chance to match whatever offer he received. It did not appear to happen. However, I also think, think there was concern about him coming off a neck injury. Otherwise, I think this would have been a no-brainer move to keep him, especially at the cost, which was around three and a half per year. The money was just not that big to automatically say no. But we do know they were okay with him testing the market. If you really want to keep a guy, you sign him. Actions, not words. And one thing I do know, for a while, I have heard that they would like to get a running back in the draft this year. Why is that? So, and even if they had re-signed McKissick, I still think that would have been the case because I think they would have worried, wondered about the durability aspect in that role. Um, but I still, they, I do believe they're going to look, well, now they're definitely going to look hard at a running back, but I believe that was the case before. And I wonder if part of it is they, they knew that they probably wouldn't end up keeping him. But again, they, they, if you think you have a chance, if you think you're going to have a chance to match an offer, that means you have some interest. But again, if your interest is that strong, if you think it's a guy that you can't live without, then you keep, then you then you lock him up beforehand, or you don't you make him an offer and and 
and keep them, right? There you go. I don't want to get into a lot of their free agents because some of them might be done before you hear this, some of the deals. What I do know is they haven't made any sort of offer to slot receiver Adam Humphreys. Maybe he could return at a later date. There hasn't been a lot of talk about that at this point. But I also know they like Dax Milne a lot and how he progressed. As one person said, it's not as if they're going to the Super Bowl this year, so maybe they should just see what Milne can do. I think they will be better, but Super Bowl contender, we're, you're not looking at Green Bay here at, at this point. Wherever it goes, who's, who knows? But I really liked Humphreys and how he ran his routes. I used to, during practice, the portions that were open to the media, I used to video him and Terry McLaurin running their routes in practice to compare them, to compare what they do to others, just to see the difference, because they're both really good route runners. So I wanted to see what the difference was. It helped, it helped me focus on why some receivers get open and some don't, and the details and the body movement that helps them do it. You could see the way when a guy stems, how is he selling that stem, that little jab, his, you know, the little plant foot, how is one guy able to get open and another somebody else not? It's really about how you sell it. And I saw some not so great sales jobs by many others, but you saw McLaurin and Humphreys consistently create separation because of their ability to, because of how they ran the routes. And there are all sorts of details. But suffice to say, I enjoyed watching them. Anyway, I saw some of that rub off on Mill. Let's see how he fares. I do like the kid. So in some ways, this makes sense. Sign a veteran for a year, you draft a guy, you groom him, and then you let him take over. That's how this is supposed to work. I do think they'll retain Cam Sims. I actually like him a lot with a big arm guy like Carson Wentz. He's got the ability to get deep down the middle and, and those, especially on some deep digs and all that. I think that's that's an area that you can see him. I could see him and, and Wentz clicking at times. Now, if they draft a guy, Sims is not your not going to be one of your top four guys, probably, because you'd have McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuel, Danny Brown, and if you draft a guy at 11. But he always ends up playing, and when he does, he makes plays. So I think he can help, and especially a guy with a guy like Wentz. Until Sims officially signs, you never know. But my expectation as I record this is that he would return. We'll see. I would expect them to make a tender offer to place kicker Joey Sly. They made one to um, another kicker, Brian Johnson, the other day. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Um, but Sly is still the guy that they would like to keep, whether it's on a long-term deal or if not, then a tender, a tender offer. So he is a restricted free agent. So I definitely do expect him to return. I like that they re-signed Bobby McCain. I know he struggled initially, but he's a good voice in the secondary and he played well in the second half of the year. With no Landon Collins this season, they needed to keep McCain. He played well, again, played well alongside he and Cam Curl did a nice job together. Speaking of Collins, if they wanted to, Washington could save 12 mil on the cap by designated this year by designating him a post-June 1 release. The only problem is they can't realize the cap savings until June 1st. Otherwise, he'll save $6.6 million if it's just an outright release right now. Finally, on Carson Wentz, here's a thought for you. I heard that Washington's players are confident in what they can do with Wentz on the field and in the locker room. Keep in mind, he was a small-town kid from North Dakota. I feel like I'm starting this like a story here. A small-town kid from North Dakota flung into a situation with some volatile players in Philadelphia and all craziness ensues. Um, with that offense, there were some volatile players. There were strong, strong-willed, if nothing else. And you mix that, and it can be a bit combat combustible at times. He's definitely a religious person who shies away from 
when players start talking about clubs and all these other stuff, women and all that, something he kind of shies away from. I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to hurt him here at all. I heard he got along well with his cult teammates outside of maybe a couple. And one reason that was the case there and why players here aren't worried, they have a far different locker room than what he encountered in Philadelphia. Their receivers are excellent pros led by Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and I think the others have been as well. Logan Thomas, married with kids. Um, the O-line, mostly a married bunch. In other words, this is a more mature group. Um, and I think in many ways, this locker room is a very good, could be, could be. We don't know yet, but it could be a very good fit for him. That's why this situation could be a productive one for Wentz. He's not perfect, does have a lot to prove. When you're on your third team in three years, that's the case. No, no matter the talent. And there's no doubt about that. You can't sugarcoat that as aspect and it's okay to acknowledge it. I think we all know that, but he is a definite upgrade. So when you think about, when you think about the, um, the fit part of, or the, excuse me, when you think about the first part of free agency and how they're, they're not going to make any splash moves, just remember their big move has already been made. Okay. That's way too long for me. You want Santana Moss and so do I. So after this break, I'll be back with Washington receiver Santana Moss as we discuss Carson Wentz's impact on the Washington receivers. Also, what was Moss's first big tax bill? It's a doozy. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KEIM, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KEIM, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with former Washington receiver Santana Moss. All right, Santana, before we get into the other stuff, some silly money going to receivers. Christian Kirk gets paid. And no mm -hmm. thousand yard rece receiving seasons for him. So, how many plays can you come back for, and are you ready to come <laughs> back? I wish I had some left in my tank, honestly. You know, um, I'm not mad at some of these guys. I mean, I'm not mad at anybody who's getting their money, but it just make you wonder, like, man, I was before my time, you know, because <laughs> I remember I had to be very productive to go out there and get six million a year. And I mean, when I say productive, put up some thousand yard seasons just to get six million. And now you're seeing guys, you know, getting. 10 million, 10 plus million without having those kind of uh, seasons. And the elite guys are going out there getting more than 20 uh, million a year. So it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal for these guys who, who's out there in this league today. I hope the guys that's not getting those contracts right now can see their way to that. You know what I mean? Go out there and put the work in and then 
you know, they should be granted the same thing. But um, it's, it's you know, ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm happy for those guys. What's it like to cash a check that big? <laughs> well, hopefully they're not cashing. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, man, you know, I look back at a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to finances. You know, I'm glad the world is where it's at right now, where it's a lot of, you know, influencers on social media that's teaching these guys, you know, a little bit more about their money. Because, you know, I was so uh, caught up in the era where I didn't want to lose it. So I, I sought out someone that I felt that, that had my best interest and just made sure that he knew what to do with it. I, I made sure I stuffed it into my account or wherever, you know, I was instructed. But I never really got a chance to know it how I know it now, you know? And I think... Right. You know, that's life. You live and you learn. Right. You know, so um, but I'm, I'm I remember when I was getting those checks, I used to look at them and be like, wow, you know, what I mean, and that's what you want. You 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 basically, you know, prepare yourself your whole life to try to have those days, have a day where you can take care of your family and you can be straight for the rest of your life. And that's what some of these guys are in, you know, right now with that kind of money. I mean, one one salad, one year can have these guys straight for the rest of their life. If they know how to put the money up. You know, when we was young, when I was young, we didn't have, you know, that kind of money in that one year. But if we had better instructions, we would be able to do a lot of other things differently. Um, I'm happy to say that I was bitten a couple of times and learned my lesson and was able to rebound and be able to do some things differently. So I'm glad I was able to obtain, you know, uh, a pretty substantial amount and be able to still have some of that, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, and listen, it's a hard thing because everybody always says, well, if I had that kind of money, I would never lose it. And I'm guessing that if most people had that kind of money, they're going to be thinking, hey, this, this money is going to be here next year and the year after too. Yeah, see, what people fail to realize, you know, and I, I tell my friends this a lot, you know, one of my closest friends, uh, he sees it and he, he, he was able to see it one day. We was, he was up there at the training facility with me. I was getting treatment uh, in off season. I had just had my third knee surgery. Uh, it was cleaning out my meniscus that year. Uh, it was like 2010-ish, I believe. That was when Shanahan just got there. And I had one of my, you know, I had one of my buddies in town, and he wasn't a guy that was into the football world like my other buddy. My other buddy had played in the league a couple of years, played in Canada, so he knew how the money was. This, this friend's a younger guy. He didn't know how the money looked. He didn't know how bonuses, none of that stuff. So I was getting a bonus that offseason, and I remember laying on the table, and I was the guy I always wanted to check my money. So I got the, someone came in there with the envelope and I couldn't look at it because I was getting my, my scar tissue kind of um, broken up in my leg. And I asked him to look at the check and make sure it was all there. And he saw $2 million and almost fainted. And he's like, bro, you got $2 million. And I'm like, no, nah, that's short. I supposed to have more than that, but taxes. So a lot of folks don't realize the taxes part. So they hear all these numbers. Oh man, they got 80 something million. Well, if you look at 37% of that 80 something million, it's going to be a lot, you know, lesser, right. you know what I mean? But it's still going to be good money. So um, it's all good when it all comes down to it. It's all good when it all comes down to it. But, you know, a lot of folks who hear the numbers, they don't, they don't understand that taxes play a big part in that too. Well, agents as well. And you know, the other thing, when Antoine Randall was there in Washington, I remember talking to him about like, you know, money, just how hard it is to get used to the money. Because again, most people, yeah. you know, I don't know how many people can handle that kind of cash. But the one mm -hmm. thing he said is when he was a rookie and he got paid, he's like, oh, this is great. He took all that money, went and bought this and that, did this and that with the money. 
and then taxes came around the next year and he didn't have the money left. And yeah. it was like, it was like, it was a shock to the system right away in that first year. Cause it is a hard thing to get used to. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's, you know, that's similar to what happened to me. Um, it, it wasn't the same way. It, it was that I, you know, my first year out the gate, I realized taxes was a motherfucker and, and excuse my French, but <laughs> you got to understand coming out of college, never had a real job. Yeah. I was getting ready to go to training camp in New York. They flew out to sign, you know, so I can sign before training camp so I can be there on time. They flew to Miami. I signed the contract. I remember my agent telling me I signed for 5.3 or 5.5 or 5.3, one of those. It was somewhere around that area. That's what I was signing for. After I put my signature down, I got a check for 3.2. And I'm like, what is this? This this is short. (laughs) And they were like, oh, we already took the taxes out. And that was my introduction into, you know, the real world or when it comes to, you know, knowing what it was like to, 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 to have that kind of money coming in that Uncle Sam going to get us out the gate. So here I am being naive, don't know much about, you know, okay, I paid taxes, I'm good. I didn't know. Now, every check that I get during that season is going to be taxed also. And at the end of the year, not, not only are they going to take the taxes out when I'm getting paid, but they're going to come back around and say, now I have to pay the taxes, you know, from those checks I received. And I'm like, man, I remember my dad, called me uh i was in the off season and trust me i didn't you know that, that season is already one of those horror seasons i right. to this day when i think about my first year in the nfl you know i want to forget about it at times but i'm finally in the off season i'm finally healthy i feel a little better about myself and then my dad tell me yeah i owe four hundred thousand to, to to the irs and i'm like how you know i just <laughs> they just took two million from me and you know and some more you know and and so but and the thing he said to me well look on the bright side at least you know you made enough to be able to pay that much and I was like that's not the bright side to me you know <laughs> and I guess as a dad I'd probably say that to my son too because that is because like otherwise you get very frustrated with with the with the size of the bill but you know no so yeah but it's you know you earn the money so that's a nice thing you guys earn that money and so exactly. I, that's why like definitely I've, I've never begrudged a pro athlete what they can get because especially football look at I mean you're not a big guy you're, you, you're going across the middle and putting yourself in harm's way many times a game. Whatever you get, you've earned. And so, Definitely. you know, and, and, you know, the prices go up, the TV money goes up, you guys get your share. So, but it is like, you know, it is, it must be really weird and cool to, to make that because it's yeah. just, you know, so, but anyways, let's get to the current team. Um, no. I want to start with, 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 um, with Terry McLaurin. Because he's a receiver, yeah. which is we started off that. And how do you think that the, some of these contracts with the receivers will impact his thinking as far as like getting an extension? When, what would be your approach? Because there's other guys in that class, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, who also have to sign. What would be your strategy if you're Terry as far as like when you would want to sign and, and how much would you be looking at these other deals? Well, I think Terry probably a little more on his stuff than I was at that age when it comes to, you know, probably even being smart enough to even, you know, try to tap into knowing what I, you know, what's my worth. I was a guy that I just wanted to play. You know, I want to do the part on the field. Me and my agent had a pack, Drew Rosenhaus, and he said, hey, you take care of what you got to do on the field, and I'm going to take care of what I had to do in these meeting rooms when it comes to, you know, going and getting top dollar for you. So to me, I felt like 
long as I put the numbers up, whatever that market is for me, I'm going to be able to have that. And that's what I did. I cared less about the next man, the next man, the next man. As long as it sounded good enough for me and you can put me up there with the guys who I basically, you know, play better than or have the same potential numbers or the numbers was around the same, then I was okay with it. You know, I'm pretty easy when it comes to that. Just don't cheat me. You know, I'm one of those guys. Like, look, give me what I'm worth. And that's what I did. I think when it comes down to Terry, he's probably going to take that same approach about just going out and playing and letting his agents do, deal with that. But I think when it's time to come sit down, you know, um, you know, we just spoke of a guy named Christian Kirk kind of set the bar for a lot of guys who probably outplayed him already. You know, he, he's a little, he's a year ahead of those guys, I believe, you know, Terry, and he's already, Terry has already have better numbers. So, you know, uh, I look at that and I'm like, man, we in a tough spot as a team because you, you, thinking about long-term with a guy like that. You don't want to lose a guy like Terry. So you said to yourself, like, wow. So we, we got to go already on the limb and say he's probably potentially going to probably be getting a, a hundred mil, you know, and, right. and any other guy who's had those numbers, who's in the same era when it's going to become looking for a contract next year or even coming, you know, coming into this season. So, um, but I think Terry will be smart about it and say, hey, you know, as long as I keep doing what I'm doing on the field, it's going to take care of itself. How much can Carson Wentz help him? Carson Wentz can help him a lot. You know, one of the things about Carson, if you look at it, man, and people fail to realize, regardless of how sorry or some of the things that people want to say about him, you know, when it comes to his play the last few years, he's beaten a lot of a lot of teams in our division, you know, playing the way he played, you know, especially two years ago when he probably had his worst season. When you look at the whole scale of all his seasons together, He's been consistent. <laughs> that's, one thing. that's something that you really get, even with injuries, he's been consistent. His numbers are almost identical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I was talking to Logan uh, the other day before we went on air over at the facility, and Logan said something that stuck, stuck you know, stuck out, stood out to me. He said, Tanner, if we had Carson last year, you know, we win three more games. And mm-hmm. those three more games make us a, that much better of a team. So, I don't think the fans get into all that stuff and really look at the big picture of things like that. I look at it because I understand the value of a quarterback, period. Uh, Don't get me wrong. You can't not appreciate what Heineke did for us. I mean, that was amazing for him to come in to be able to carry the load and shoulder the load and go out there and put up, you know, put those games together. But I think collectively as a team, we just fell short. Our defense should have played better. You know, they caught us, you know, spur here and there where they started playing better and then it went back downhill when it came to COVID and, and, and some injuries here and there. I think Carson comes in, some of the things that we do offensively when things break down, he can do that. Right. Uh, I think the one the one of the things that we're probably going to harp on the most when it comes to him is just, look, stick with the first decision. If it's not there, check down and get rid of the football. You can't sit in there and try to play hero ball. And, you know, when you saw – uh, Heineke do that, you almost said, no, don't do it because you knew he can't throw that ball in that second and third one because arm strength. Now, when you got a guy like Carson Wentz, he can throw that ball anytime he wants because he right. has that twerk on that ball. He can he can throw that ball up and down the field with ease. So, you know, where do we scale things back from him at and saying, you know, what we're going to allow and not allow? I think out the gate, you got to let him know, look, we want you to see the play. If it's there, if it's not there, you'll check down or get rid of the football. Or tuck the ball, run, you know, do something with it. But don't sit back there and take on guys when the protection is not there or when you've been back there long enough and the protection has not broke down. How can you help for the receivers? And when, you know, because he does have a bigger arm. And as you, yeah. like we just said, and I think everybody knows that. So those second and third level throws, 
When you have that of, threat as a for a receiver, mm -hmm. when you have a quarterback who has the threat and the ability to consistently make those throws, how does that open up routes in the pass game for you? Yeah, see that. See, I like that question. Last year, people played us up close. Heineke can't throw the ball down the field. We're not worried about him. He can't do it on that first that that first three step drop or that first four or five step drop. He's not going to do it the second you know the second time. He's not going to be able to reload and throw it down the field. Now with Wentz. It's a couple of things that come to mind. He can dissect guys. He can see the defense, you know, have his protection change. He can do all that at the line of scrimmage. And then he's going to make these guys know that regardless of what you feel, how he's been playing, we have to protect, you know, our back end. Because if we get caught slipping, we too far up, we have the guys on the outside that can blaze and run behind you. One of the things that Terry haven't got a chance to really, you know, um, you know, do well or show more is his, his deep ball ability. He's right. a to me, I, I feel like he's one of the best in this game also with that, but he hasn't been that guy for us because we've been so in tune to just getting him the ball right now, you know, and we haven't had a quarterback that can really allow Terry to go downfield and just do his thing, show his 4-2, 4-3 speed, and go get a ball or two. So you have Carson now that has the arm, so I think a lot of teams are going to come into the game knowing that he could beat us deep, so we have to protect that back end and not try to get caught up and now that's going to open up those intermediate routes and those those unders and those short routes. And I think that just make us better right there all around. Now you're going to have a chance to see the other guys flourish just because the quarterback himself can beat you. Not worrying about that Terry or whoever we have at tight end or whoever our running back is in the backfield. The defenses are going to want to start saying, now if we don't get to him with our pressure, he can beat us with his own regardless. And then you also have, because Diami's got the downfield speed, you also have Curtis who has speed, but Curtis is also really good underneath and creating those situations. So how, how do you think this situation can look with the receivers in the pass game? I think the jury, excuse me, is still out on all those guys. The Army, you know, it was his rookie season. Excuse me, drinking that tea that got me bursting all <laughs> like crazy. Um, the Army had a, you know, it wasn't a rookie season that we expected, but he showed signs that, you know, if, if he get everything down and can put, you know, put a productive 17-game season together or just give us more than, you know, 12, at least 12. If he can get out there and just be productive, you know, he can be a guy that we can use. I mean, he's a guy that can, you know, he has burners also. And, yeah. um, you know, um, Samuels, you just want to see him healthy. I, I care less about, him how many games it is. I just want to see him out there and being himself. I think once he 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 himself and he see that he can go out there and and be himself. Um, man, you know the skies can really be the limit for our receiver, uh, you know, group. But I definitely believe that you just have to let these guys go out there and play. We haven't seen enough of uh, Deami Brown or Samuels to really sit out here and say that these guys are going to bring X, Y, and Z to us because I want to see them out there playing first. Would you draft another receiver? No question. Um, I, you know, I, you know that, that's that's something that I was talking about the other day. I was saying to myself, with this situation of having Carson, so now it almost put us in a situation of saying, okay, now do we go out there receiving the first round, and hopefully still have you know a room to get a quarterback if someone fall later, or someone's you know in the second or third if we have a spot there. But um, I definitely think that you want to get another weapon. There's some good receivers in this draft, and I think you, you, you never can have too many. 
I mean, honestly, especially with this league, you never can have too many. And uh, especially when you have the talent that you have coming out of Ohio State and some of those other schools, I man, you have some phenomenal receivers. So if we got one sitting around there, man, I'm going to go get one just for the sake because not knowing what we're going to have when it comes to the guys who wasn't able to uh, really, you know, um, you know, be used as much as we wanted to last year. So I would go out there and get a guy and just make your room a little more you know, uh, have a little more depth in your room and 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 rise the competition in your room. You want to see guys come in there and be able to compete and rise the other guys' level of competition so you can see who you're going to be able to count on out there. And I think we need at least one one or two more guys. Do you have a favorite? Do you have like any of those in particular? No, I don't. Uh, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm getting called on the spot, I always forget guys. I have numbers. I, I like that number two and number seven for Ohio State. Bobby um, and Wilson. I mean, I think it was five, five or two. It, it was five or uh, two or five or two or seven. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, you, you know, you know that name yeah. by heart. Me, I, I'm always have a brand. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, yeah. Bingo. So uh, both of those guys are phenomenal. It's going to be interesting just to see where those guys go. I think if you have one around the time we pick, go at them. You know what I mean? I just feel like you can never have enough talent in that wide receiver room, especially with the game evolving to to more of a passing game nowadays anyway you know you want more threats you saw what you saw what last year us relying on um you know samuels and not really having our our rookie you know available and put all the pressure on um terry again so and for some odd reason i just didn't understand why we didn't use sims as much and he's a, a proven threat you know what i mean he's the guy that can stretch the yeah. field also so it'll, it's gonna be interesting just to see how we play with him next year or or we bring him back or whatever. I think he's, he was locked in for another year. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code KIME. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over restrictions apply. See show notes for details. When you have a quarterback like Wentz who comes with, there's obviously some questions about him. Um, and, you know, you hear stuff from Philly, you hear stuff from Indy, and you're in the locker room. How do you as a player on a new team approach a guy like that when, because everybody, like, it seems like everybody knows everything these days because of social media or you hear everything. Yeah. How would you approach, how would you approach that with him? Because obviously you want to give a guy a fair shake, you know, is, you know, so how do you approach that with a guy like Wentz? So great question. Again, um, I was able to be on the tail end or the early end of social media in the tail end of my career. And I remember being in a situation when everybody thought that I said something about RG3, which I didn't. He, what well, he thought I did. And basically, uh, when he heard heard my radio interview, he was like, oh, man, you know, basically I took up for him. You know what I mean? But I was trying to tell him how to handle those situations when the media stuffed the mic in front of his face right. and asked him questions. Don't call your teammates out. Just say, hey, I could have did better. 
and it's going to be cut right then and there. So I remember being in that situation with him and he was like, hey, bro, you know, you, you know, this was said, you said this. And I'm like, trust me, it was taped. Whatever I said, you'll be able to hear it. And when he heard it, he came back to me and apologized. But with all that being said, these guys have a chance to see everything that Wentz did the last few years, know the kind of media that's going to be on him. It's going to be a circus, I think, if if he allows it or we allow it. I think one of the things you will want to see, if I'm a Terry McLaurin, if I'm any one of those guys who in that locker room as a receiver, running back, you know, Gibson, I'm going to go to him and approach him man-to-man and just let him know kind of I got him. You know, I'm, you know, I'm here with you. You know, we here together. You know, all this stuff that's that we do today. I'm, I mean, I mean, we do this year. It's us. It's not it's not about you. So I'm going to try to take that off his, his shoulders because I know a, a guy like him with just the, the ability that he has and probably not living up to that the last couple of years. It's probably going to come in with that kind of same expectation. People want to see the old Wentz, the Wentz before he hurt his knee. And, you know, I will out the gate just let him know, look, man, I'm here with you. We need to do anything after practice. You know, I did that with RG3 like every week after practice, just showing him that at the end of the day, man, I'm here, you know, and I wanted to know I didn't have the same role that I had early in my years before RG3 got there. But I was still one of those guys that wanted him to know if I'm in the game with you look for 89 because, you know, I'm trying to make sure that you're right. You know, and at the end of the day, I know if you're right, I'm going to be right. So that's what these guys have to do out the gate, man. Allow Wentz to know that we're here together. Uh, anything that's going to be said to you, we're going to be there for you. We're going to stand tall within it. And I think that's the only way he's going to be able to get out of this stuff, man, just by going out there and playing some good football. You know, the market has changed. Philly might have been tough for him. I don't think DC's going to get any lighter. <laughs> you know, they're going to be tough too. But the one thing about what I like about, you know, the DMV is when you play good football, those fans embrace you like no other. They yeah. love you. You know, they show you <laughs> endless amount of love. I mean, I swear, I, I you know, I I can it, it can never get old. And I, and I see it and hear it to this day. And I'm, I've been, what, seven, 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 almost eight years removed from the game. So uh, as long as he know he can go out there and take care of his business, he can win these guys over. And like I said before, he maybe can play himself into to the future. You know, I mean, yeah. right now, I didn't think that this decision that we made with bringing him in, was a future play. I thought it was a play for right now, and I think it was probably the best thing that we had on the table for right now if we want hopes to try to go out there and compete at a high level this year. So I wasn't mad about the decision of getting him. I just know what the decision of getting him comes, you know, comes with. It's going to come with a lot of questions. It's going to come with a lot of hoopla, you know, about, hey, we didn't get better because now we're getting a quarterback that didn't do much, you know, elsewhere twice. And, I'm, and, and I look at it like, look, so, well, you want to sit there with our hands tied and now we don't get anybody in the free agency. Then we don't get the quarterback that we want in the draft. And then we still stuck with the same guy. So I feel like we did the right thing, you know, by going out there, getting someone that was available and that has the productivity. You know, it's proven. It's on film. Winston play football, but yeah. he's had to get out of his own head and go out there and play. Last thing then, too, for you with quarterbacks, because there's always talk about a quarterback's leadership style. And what I know is that everybody's got a different style and there are some great leaders who aren't great quarterbacks and vice versa. And like, there are some really good quarterbacks who I think there are a lot of questions about how important is that to you? And what does that mean to you? Like what, what does the leadership quarter form take from a quarterback? It's crazy because when you in the heat, when you go on through those seasons, you don't really need the quarterback to do much. You know, I've always seen other guys, 
you know, take on those roles of being a leader for our team, for our offense. You know, we had Chris Samuels for so long. He was the leader of the offense mm-hmm. for a long period of time. We had so many different quarterbacks. You could never rely on one of the True. quarterbacks. The True. quarterback came in there and did his job. So Chris was the, the one guy that had been there before us and was there with us. He decided the same way with London, same side of the ball, um, play well. Even though people looked at us to go out and make the plays. You didn't care right. about the quarterback role. His role was just to get us the ball. So I hear a lot of that, you know, and I understand where it comes from because that has these great teams that you see time and time again that's being productive and getting into the postseason. They have that kind of, you know, or about they stuff. You look at them, you say, okay, you got a Tom Brady. He gets on his guys, you know, let's go, you know, let's get out here and do what we got to do. Peyton Manning would get on his guys so much to where he had, you know, they'd be throwing, they'd be want to throw, you know, throw punches with him because he's really going to get on you and might not throw you the ball. Uh, me, myself, personally, I never had a guy. I didn't respond to that kind of, you know, stuff because I, I was always about my business. The thing, I think I've had one guy go out his way to say something to me wrong. And that was Chad Pennington early in my years. And Chad was a year ahead of me, but that was Chad's style. And he didn't say anything that he shouldn't have said. He, he did what most quarterbacks do, like telling me, to, you know, let's go. And I didn't like it, his tone, but I still not did, did what I had to do and made my play. I don't think we have to get so caught up into how particular quarterbacks lead. I think if you go out there and you do what's asked and you make the guys around you a part of the, the game plan and, and, and allow them to make the plays for you. We're not going to be sitting there saying, is Carson getting all you guys together after practice? Is Carson getting you guys and watching film together? That's something that you would like to hit, see. And I'm pretty sure that's going to happen regardless because that's what most quarterbacks do, especially a guy who's coming in into a new situation. But I think outside of that, he don't need to do a whole lot. Just be the best you can be, know all your stuff, and get the right guy the ball. And trust me, we will be sitting there talking about how phenomenal, you know, of a leader he is because we're winning games and they're doing great things. There you go. Winning, winning cures everything too, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> most deaf. Yep. Most so, hey, Tana, I appreciate you joining me. Tell people where they can follow you or find you these days. Well, you know, as always, I'm a, I'm a social media, um, you know, I, I, I tend to be on Instagram more than anything else. And Facebook, but you can find follow me at eight to the nine. You normally can catch me on uh, the pregame doing a uh, kickoff show right before the game start. But right now we're in the off season, so I'm I'm enjoying this time right now. I've been able to go back and forth from from the DMV down here in Miami right now. But I appreciate the time, John, as always. Tana, appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Take care, buddy. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Santana for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Friday. I'll talk to you next time.